1: To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: Hello, I'm Ian Parkinson, and this is the Ruler podcast, supported by LACA, bicycle insurance powered by the community. The first grand tour of the year, the Giro, is finally in the proper mountains after a couple of weeks of rolling stages and sprint finishes, and the final podium is still anyone's guest. Ruler editor Andy McGrath caught up with Larry Warbass of ag 2 Mondial. Regular listeners will remember that Larry and his former teammate Conor Dunn both found themselves without a ride at the end of last season and decided to go on a European bikepacking trip, the no-go tour, instead. Larry is now happily enjoying his second Giro, although some of that wanderlust clearly remains. He got lost on his way back to the hotel.
3: Yeah, I thought I knew the way back to the hotel after uh, the prologue, so, you know, I tried to take a shortcut uh, and just ride back instead of going back through Bologna and then taking the cars back to the hotel. So I thought I'd save some time, ride back, and, uh, well, I didn't have my phone with me, and I just totally missed the turn, and so I rode like 7K past, wrong direction, finally someone stopped me and was like, you're totally going the wrong way. So then I looked on his phone and I was like, okay, I think I can find the road I was supposed to take. So I go back, ended up taking some road that was definitely not right. Ended up descending through a farm field, really like not even really, a, not even a path, not even a footpath. And uh, so ended on up- a TT bike as this, well. This is on a TT bike with a disc, you know, five spoke carbon front wheel and uh, end up on some road. And so I was like, oh, I'll go down. Well, then I hit a gate. So then I flipped, I rode like a K the other direction, I hit another gate. So I was blocked in on both sides. Luckily, Bardiani director arrived on the other side of the gate. And uh, he had to call someone to like open up the gate for me. And I, I got home like just before dark, so it was not ideal. Eight months ago,
0: I think you and Connor were backpacking around Europe and neither of you had contracts.
3: Now you're both here uh, at the Giro. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. Uh, I don't think, you know, eight months ago, I don't know if either of us could have predicted that we would have been here. Um, so it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, we were talking about it a bit yesterday and yeah, it's just, it's really an honour to be here and I'm, I'm really happy that we have this opportunity and uh, it's cool to be here with Connor as well, even if we're on different teams. So uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet.
0: Uh, and speaking personally, I mean, kind of what do you hope to get out of this year's Giro? We'll see how
3: the form goes, but uh, I'd really like to try to win a stage, so uh, I'm going to be looking for breakaways later on in the race, so you know, we'll help our, our leader, Alexi Viermos, uh, and then when we have our chance, uh, go for the good breaks. and. You never know. Let's see what happens.
2: Larry's no-go tour companion, Connor Dunn, has also struck lucky with a place on the Israel Cycling Academy and a ride at the Giro. All round, though, it's been a pretty eventful year so far. Yeah, like,
1: even the last uh, six months, just to condense it down, it's been pretty mad, um, went from uh, lo- losing uh, the team I was riding for, not having a ride there, and not knowing if I'd continue in cycling or have a job, and um, immediately finding out I was going to be a father like uh, a few days after this, um, so, and then going on a mad adventure with uh, my, one of my best friends, Larry Warbass, um, having one of the times of my life, but still <laughs> uh, absolutely freaking out that I was about to become a father without a job, um, and then... Uh, Finally finding a team and uh, finding my place on this team and uh, suddenly here I am at the Giro and, and became, a, became a dad uh, eight days before the start, um, just mad, mad six months of my life But yeah, the, my son being born was the best thing that ever happened to me, and you know, by like life in the country, it was really, really incredible, um, and just put everything in perspective. Um, uh, else matters as long as uh, my son's happy and healthy you know but i gotta gotta keep him in nappies somehow so <laughs> on the lookout for any creams i can get in this duo that's the thing that doesn't get talked about much i think in pro
0: sport certainly pro cycling i mean possibly half the bunch here are fathers and they must have a really motivating effect as well as sometimes
1: i suppose affects your sleep and all the rest of it uh, it's easy to forget sometimes this is like it is actually our profession you know this is we're providing, providing for our families and uh, obviously we want to win and we want to do well and um, all these things but uh, we're still, we still we have the normal worries of everyone else providing for your family keeping up with the bills and paying the rent or the mortgage and uh, yeah like um, it's tough you know you're doing all the family things as well as training and working as everyone else would um, I can't complain. Everyone works super hard, you know. Everyone says our cyclists work hard. but We don't. I've seen uh, what other people do—doctors and nurses. Like, it's ridiculous. It's just, like, we have the easiest life, you know. We just ride our bikes. Um, but uh, yeah, you still have those pressures where you don't want to kind of lose lose your job and uh, not have anything left at the end of the year. And there's always was always that pressure on a rider, I think. Um, and that's how I think. You know, you see it in any race you do, You, everyone's fighting for every little bit because um, any little bit can make a difference. Um, so it really is pretty cutthroat and ruthless. Um, uh, yeah. So, just how close were you to kind of stopping cycling and looking for a completely different job last winter? Um, pretty close, to be honest with you, yeah. Um, I mean if I can get a ride in the professional ranks um, I'd have had to call it a day and get a, another job you know I just can support myself and my family uh, riding for a smaller team where I wouldn't be able to get paid blunt, pretty bluntly you know um, I've done uh, I've done all those years in Belgium on living on like pretty skin uh, money like 30 euro a week budget for food and things like this and just eating porridge <laughs> so I've done those years and I've done five years in Belgium doing that and, um, and uh that's kind of like i've 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 had that chance you know and i've made it here and if i can't continue then you have to face reality sometimes in life and so i love doing what i'm doing i'm I'm loving riding and racing professionally and doing these big races like the Giro. but uh reality bikes sometimes and you have to get get on with things uh, There's your to provide for and hungry baby at home (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah just uh, being this here just taking every, any chance i can get just remembering to enjoy it as well just enjoying every little moment and enjoying yeah, the end of these races and uh, just give it give it your best every day you know kind of and, you know, Ah! You
3: know,
1: so, you know, who's this now <laughs> the big loud americans arrived You're not very big at the way with those arms are like uh, pencil sticks we've been joined by larry warbass that noise
0: in the background disturbing the podcast. Hey, guys. We have the impromptu no-go tour team is here impromptu. <laughs> Good morning, Best Larry. the
1: Peloton. Dream team. Dream team. <laughs> We're like a tag team. If this was WWF wrestling, it'd be like we'd be on different teams and Larry would come in and like be on my team suddenly and just take down. <laughs> <laughs> the big question is, when and where is the next oh, no-go tour? That's what everyone wants to know. Stage, uh, no. We're on it now. <laughs> Like This is the no-go no yeah, Giro. No-go no no go Giro. Giro. I don't know. There's a lot of ideas been around. End of the season, maybe. Yeah. I, think the we, season. I think we've got to, just got to get through today.
3: So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Connor Dunn and Larry Warbass reunited at the Giro. You're listening to The Ruler podcast, supported by LACA, bicycle
4: insurance
2: powered by the community.
4: My name is Rupert Englander. Um, I'm a self-confessed mammal. And uh, I've been a member of LACA since probably about January two. 2018. I just love the model. The fact that the crowd is ensuring itself, I, I think, is a, is a really great approach. Um, it kind of seems to be taking insurance back to the uh, the roots of insurance in terms of the way it was first done all those hundreds of years ago. This was the sort of thing that really captured me was the fact that if there were no insurance claims in the, in the crowd that particular month, then you wouldn't actually pay a premium at all. Worst case scenario, you had a full premium payout every month. You'd still be in line with the rest of the industry. But actually, if you consider that in many months there may not be a claim, it would end up a lot cheaper. And actually, in the first year, I think um, five of my 12 months, I had absolutely no premium whatsoever.
2: And you can get full details of LACA's very different approach to cycle insurance on the LACA website. That's laka.co.uk. So I'm delighted now to welcome to the Ruler podcast the legendary Lee Turner. Uh, For those who don't know, Lee is uh, famous on Instagram and elsewhere for his huge collection of pro and other cycling kit, which he wears with pride on his rides around Melbourne and everywhere else. Lee, welcome to the podcast. How did this uh, fascination with pro kits and cycling kits start?
4: Oh, thanks for having me on, mate. I I honestly... Don't know. For me, cycling's about colour, about fashion, and um, I don't know, the two just merge. I just get so sick of the boring uh, kits that are out there, and I just sort of liked some of the old ones I used to wear when I um, first started cycling back in the day, like Onsay and stuff like that. And I don't know, one one thing led to another, and it just became out of control, where I just can't stop now. How many kits have you got? Honestly, roughly around about... 220 to 250 or a high percentage of those I'll have matching uh, one piece longs or matching long sleeve jersey and vest and a lot of jackets and and so forth because I like to get the whole thing, if you, know what I'm, if you know what I mean. Unfortunately, a lot of kits, a lot of the sort of fashion-y kits nowadays, they just do, you know, a jersey and a, a bib. But a lot of the old old school team kits, you can still sort of, if you search hard on eBay or be patient on eBay, they pop up now and again. And yeah, you can get them. I just bought uh, Phonak last week, like the complete set of longs. I've just got Rabobank last week, all the longs and uh, long sleeve and all that stuff. So looking forward to wearing that. So, no, it's it's just, look, I'm just a flogger who dresses up. It's just fun. I just like it.
2: Yeah, Phonak, that was like bright yellow and green, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that was good because a lot of the team kits today, are um, quite boring. Like you look at Australia's team Green Edge, that's disgusting. It looks like a cheap shop kit. Some of the other teams aren't too bad, like um, uh, Education First. They've been bold with their design, and uh, FDJ's always classy. Movie Star's pretty good, but you can't beat the teams of yesteryear, like Mapai, Onsay, T Mobile, Domino Ficanzi, Aqua Sapone. These teams of yesteryear were just so cool. We just don't have that these days
2: as you say it must be hard you're tracking down all this stuff uh, on ebay are you because you can't just buy it in the shops can you
4: no 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 look honestly i've got probably 30 ebay searches saved and every morning i wake up the first thing i do is i look at what's come up um because you get the email notification and if i if i like it uh if it's a buy now i buy it if not i will um Run a sniper program and just put a thousand bucks on it, so I can't lose it. And then you invariably, you never pay that much, obviously. But, and then you 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 win it. It's just, it's just patience. There's kits I'm miss- it's like a jigsaw puzzle. There's certain kits I got now where I'm missing a couple of pieces for, like you know, to complete the jigsaw puzzle. I might have the the bibs and the short sleeve, but I don't, or the bibs and the long sleeve, but I don't have the um, long legs or the um, short sleeve. Or you know, there's always bits and pieces as. Still pieces I'm missing, but I'm just sort of looking every day. It just, you know, some kits just don't come up that often.
2: And you don't just keep it in the cupboard, do you? You you, you wear these out on rides.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I wear them all the time. It's, that's probably the hardest part of my training and riding is deciding what to wear. I usually do it, try and think about it the night before and get it out. It's just because I've got... Uh, so yeah, such so a big choice.
2: <laughs> and what reaction do you get when you go out wearing one of the sort of really extreme bright pink or fluorescent ones?
4: Nothing, because everyone's used to me now. So, like, you know, I've been riding for 20 plus years, obviously doing the kit thing for probably four or five years, but it's just me. Everyone, everyone just, maybe if I go to a, like on Saturday, I wore um, Carrera, I had the one piece denim longs on and the denim, denim jacket. And like no one blinks twice, but I went into a cafe with some friends, and there was people at the table. I could see them looking at it, and pointing, and like for me, it just it's nothing special. It's just a Carrera kit, but I guess for other people who aren't into cycling or whatever, they obviously think it's a bit different. Also, my Plan X kit where I work, that kit I designed, the white one with all the fluorescent coloured X's all over, it looks like pajamas. That does turn a lot of heads when I wear that, but I, I, I guess I'm oblivious to it because I'm just, you know, it's just normal for me.
2: And, and some pro teams have actually sort of started following you and some pro riders have started following you, haven't
4: they? Oh, yeah, I've been, lucky. I've been quite lucky because obviously we have our regulars that come to Melbourne every year, like Kunda Court from Trek, who's a friend, and um, and then, but, yeah, there are other riders, obviously because I ride a giant, I've got a connection with giant. When some Web was in town, I would obviously see them at the Tour Down Under. So I had a connection with some of the riders there. And then, yeah, that video you mentioned the other week where I was just mucking around, just calling out Greg because um, he hadn't delivered in the classics, jokingly. And, um, like, that was just tongue-in-cheek. And then I got a direct message from one of his teammates with that video, and I'm like, holy sugar. And I was like, wow. And then I said, do you mind if I post it? He said, no, not at all. And then I checked and I thought... Greg's following me and this guy's following me. I'm like, wow, like I'm just a flog from Melbourne who dresses up in kit and rides around. So I was quite uh, honoured. So, yeah, Greg was a great sport. Like, good guy, what a good sport.
2: Now, I also see from your... Um Instagram feed. Am I right to think you you might be getting married soon?
4: Yes, that is correct. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah,
2: Are you will You're not going to be wearing a Mapa kit or something like that with.
4: No, it's funny, it's funny you say that. A lot of people have said that. I would if I could. But uh, no, I'm. Look, I'm really lucky. My partner Alison. She rides, and I ride a lot with her. So it is. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm very uh, lucky. And she. She's very easygoing. Doesn't care about me dressing up like an idiot or um, you know buying all this kit. She's really cool. So I am quite lucky that I can share it and uh, share it with her. Okay. Well, look. Lee, thanks for joining us. Keep on enjoying your riding.
2: You are bringing uh, a lot of colour and uh, entertainment to cycling, which uh, I think is much needed at the moment. Thanks for joining us.
4: Mate, thank you. And just remember, Ian, when someone goes, you know what you've got to do. Bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Appreciate it.
2: The desire editor Stuart Clapp uh, joins me now. Stuart uh, Lee Turner, what a legend that man is! He's amazing. I got
5: introduced to him. I'm fairly late because other people were well into him before I was. It's just that I've just shouted loudest. Um a bit of a name drop, but David Miller introduced me to Lee Turner's uh, Instagram page because he's a massive fan. And it was a little while ago. It's the one where he's uh, riding and he's doing the the frumy thing and he does the the quadruple bang or something at the end. And I thought it was the funniest thing because cycling, we kind of, it's taken a little bit too seriously. There's a lot of epic suffering and uh, and black and white imagery and looking haggard. We do it for fun, right? And he's having a lot of fun doing
2: it. He's yeah, he certainly brought a bit of fun back, and it, it, it may be spreading. While I was waiting for you to uh, sort your password out for um for the Skype, um, I was uh, looking on Instagram, and Bradley Wiggins has just done a, a little film on there about the Giro, um, but he's dressed in a nineties Dag Otto Loretsen Motorola Norwegian champions kit, like head to foot, and uh, it's it's looking quite good in it actually. You know
5: what? I think, I think there's something in this. Kaylee Fretz, you know, the, 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 the writer, he's got this thing about riding in, in pro kit that he's doing at the moment. And I had this idea, because you know I do this thing on Fridays, right? So every Friday at my cafe in Lee, the Birdwood, right? We, I have this thing where on a Friday, I call it Freewheel Friday, open to everyone. Everyone knows this thing happens, free will Friday. So people from my community, cycling community, of which there are lots around this area, um, can turn up, half past nine, have a coffee before, usually a coffee and a cake afterwards. And we sort of go out and people that are new to the sport or people that usually ride on their own just want a bit of company or a little bit of, what's the word, sort of encouragement of riding in groups because you and I might forget this Because we've been riding around for a few years now. And it's actually quite daunting if you're new to the sport and you want to ride in groups. But it's like the etiquette and what to do and riding to abreast and things like that. So this is like an opportunity for people to come out, ride in a group. um, They're not going to get dropped. If you go over 20 miles an hour, you get sent to the back. And actually, being on the front is by invite only. I wanted to make a no Garmin rule, no computer rule. There are other computers, right? Other than Garmin uh, rule, so people weren't wouldn't try and smash it up or try and keep uh, an average. So anyway, for this, I had this another idea where I had a full pro kit Freewheel Friday. So I wanted to do it the first first Friday of every month. You had to turn up in pro kit. How about that?
2: I think I probably have said this before. I do have a full head to toe MAPE kit from the 90s. Oh, yeah. I look like a fat Franco Ballerini, but I could probably come along on a Friday, couldn't
5: I? I think you should. I think well, you're, not, you're not that far away. No,
2: nope, true away from all that uh desire the special desire edition of ruler is still available in the shops and online um but issue 19.4 which would be the sort of start of the tour edition uh must be uh, coming uh, pretty soon what have you uh, what have we got in store in that
5: for desire i think i well i can't lay claim that this this uh, location is haunted but it's fairly old um Because the desire thing is like, you know, lots of nice kit, but we also get really cool locations because I like to find something proper wonky. So Benedict Campbell, the photographer, can then do his magic. So as long as I give him the setting and the bikes and everything, he, you know, he creates the rest. So we've got Wadston Manor for this one, which is one of Rothschild's buildings. Um, it's not actually that old I think it's like Victorian or something but it is mental and, um, and very ruler. and uh, yeah I, but it, he, he sort of builds it apparently it was his weekend house for his parties so I imagine that having a house that size for a party the land that it's on is absolutely huge we went in there you, I, we were saying you could get a crit round there because it's got a hill and everything in it there's one for the tour series so we got that but I'm quite excited about the one after that it's going to be our weirdest one to date. Why is that? It involves a, a horse race simulator. Right, okay. I had this idea, right, where I wanted to shoot um, cyclists in cycling kit on horseback, right? But I spoke to a few people that actually ride horses. This is where idea and it actually happening, in, in, like, in reality, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. So you can have these ideas... It's like, you know, I might have one like, oh, yeah, let's get some wing walkers, right? So, yeah, that's cool and everything. In fact, wing walkers are probably safer than just sticking like cyclists on the back of thoroughbred racehorses, which was what my idea was. And um, they cost a lot of money, and they don't want people um, sitting on the back of uh, uh, thoroughbreds um, that haven't ridden horses before. They're quite dangerous, apparently. So, and I thought, I can't have that, and we'll put a model on the back of like a, an old nag somewhere. So I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll I'll find something else. And then I found this location. Charles II or something's built this place, and it's and it over. It's to overlook his horses because back in those days they didn't have telly, right? So they had to think of something to do. Um, they made you know hundreds of children, or they looked out the window at their horses, which is what. It's a different time, mate. It's a different time. So, this is going to be the location for the one after, which actually comes out in July.
2: On the subject of Kit and cyclists, have you been uh, watching the Eurosport coverage of the Giro and, and Adam Blythe?
5: Yeah, I have. And I, I think Adam. Ad- what is he wearing? He can he can wear what he wants. He's, uh, I've actually started trolling Adam with every, every picture he puts up on in- Instagram, I put underneath hashtag hotboys of cycling. He's amazing. <laughs> He's uh, He doesn't care. But I think he looks absolutely great. In fact, I just saw someone on my Instagram timeline put uh, done his hair like how he has his and uh, as, as a tribute to Adam. So I don't know whether this is a thing we could start on Instagram now where where we could just do a selfie of us dressed as Adam Blythe in like ripped jeans and some tie-dye. Getting stuff obviously from, from Browns who the shop on, on Bond Street that actually sells cycling kit now so whenever you think about cycling is it mainstream is it fashionable and all this stuff it's like well paul smith has his cycling line but browns have started stocking park panormal, all this stuff in their uh, their clothing shop on on bond street which is very high-end fashion he's not shy is he he's not he's not shy he's um he's good looking lad and if anyone can pull it off, it's going to be Adam, is it?
2: Stuart Clapp. And that's it from this podcast. We'll be back the first week of June. Catch you then. Imagine the
1: softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.